This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, and all the great ESPN stations across the country. Along with Michelle Swoman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. After a wild weekend in the NFL, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Sunday night football, won by the Bengals, Dallas and Philly, moral victories, is that a thing? (laughs) Miami keeps the narrative alive, not being able to beat good teams, and Baltimore destroys an NFC team. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Good morning. Uh, I'm doing better than the folks in Dallas and Buffalo today because I think both of those fan bases are starting to feel like their teams are pretenders. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say the quiet part out loud. Okay. When it comes to I'm the listening. Cowboys, when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, your team is not winning a Super Bowl this year. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Now, I don't want to take credit away where credit is due. That's why I got my dollar bill here, Ev. Remember when I said the Cincinnati Bengals were dead? I do. Remember I said that? They were one of I, I said they were dead. I said it was over with. I want to look into the camera and look at America and everybody listening to the sound of my voice. I apologize to the Bengals fans, I apologize for the people that are, I apologize for the players that rule the jungle. The Cincinnati Bengals playoff hopes are alive and well, and it's because the guy they got under center is him. Joe Burrow, that's him. And we're finally seeing a healthy Joe Burrow, and it makes a huge difference in terms of what this offense is and overall the confidence and the swag that this team plays with. Like, uh, uh, again, this is a team that might be the scariest team. In the AFC. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to win the AFC North. I'm not saying that they're going to win the conference. But right now, nobody wants to play the Bengals. And so I have to apologize about how bad that take is that the Cincinnati Bengals were dead. I should have known better. Is this why you wore black and orange today? You have the black hoodie, the orange band on your watch. Well, you, well see, I, I, wore, I, wore, I wore black for a few different reasons. Okay. So th- that might be part of it. The <laughs> other part is the Super Bowl hopes of the Bills and the Cowboys are dead and oh, gone. so it's a funeral. And then the other part is my former teammate Antonio Pierce gets his first win in the National Football League as a head coach over his former team, the New York Giants. So, so the black serves three purposes. Okay, there I we love go. that. Very versatile, that I, color I black. I love that. Very, very versatile. You know, sometimes in life people let you down. And this is a great morning for me because I have been telling you guys for weeks that I was not concerned about the Bengals. I was not concerned about Joe Burrow. I don't trust anyone in the NFL more than I trust Joe Burrow. <laughs> I trust Joe Burrow so much, I would give him my cell phone. Unlocked. i give him my email <laughs> password. I, I, he's the designated driver. If Joey B's behind the wheel, we're getting home safe. I am not concerned with them at all. And they might not have the best record in the AFC. They might not even win that division. But they're going to get into the tournament and they are going to be the most dangerous team there. You watch. You know what's funny? People put Joe Burrow and Josh Allen in the same sentence. That's funny. Because Josh Allen, it just let's call him Apple. He's just a turnover. Right? Let's just call him Apple oh. from now on. I'm gonna go cheesy. <laughs> I'm gonna go cheesy jokes. There. That's what I'm gonna do. I mean, can we stop with this? Why do we keep putting Josh Allen in this conversation as the best quarterbacks in the league? I, I just don't understand it. What part of Joe Burrow and Josh Allen look alike? I don't understand in any way, shape, or form. Cincinnati beats Buffalo last night 24-18. Joe Burrow goes 31-44, 348, two touchdowns. And Josh Allen, yet again with an interception in this game. He has 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions on the season. He has five straight games with interceptions and seven of nine games this season with turnovers. Seven of nine games. Yeah. Look, can we stop? And, and you know what the other thing is? And I don't know how this works, CC. You have to help us on this. What's up? 
how do you penalize somebody? Like, you're not going to bench him, right? We understand. But, like, how do you have a penalty if you're a coach when the guy keeps making the same mistakes over and over again? We don't see guys, like, come out for a series at the quarterback position. If you had a mistake as a defensive lineman, Parcells could take you out for a series. Sure. Coughlin could ta- take you out for a series. Sure. And, like, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. How do you penalize a guy who constantly turns the ball over? Well, you can't. And you've given him a quarter of a billion dollars. He's your guy. you got to ride with him. But it's unsettling to see – how he continues to turn the football over. And I get it. There are going to be some people that say, well, the turnovers aren't consequential because they're aggressive mistakes. Well, the turnovers take away opportunities for your offense to move the ball to score points. And in a game against Joe Burrow, that's something that you're going to have to do. When you play the Cincinnati Bengals, you got to have the ability to match points. And it's clear between the two quarterbacks, there was one that had urgency every single drive, and then there was one that wasn't. Now, I get it. People will say, well, the Bengals' offense was pretty much shut down in the second half, held the field goals, they didn't score a touchdown. But the Bengals' offense did enough in order to build a lead, and then their defense was able to close the show by being able to limit what the Buffalo Bills' offense could do. And the biggest play of the game to me was the forced fumble that Jermaine Pratt had on Dalton Kincaid in the first fourth quarter. That takes away an opportunity for points. Cincinnati goes back down and gets a field goal. Now you got a 24-10 game. And with the way that Luana Rumo calls a defensive game plan, you pretty much know that they're going to be able to close the show. So, again, I just thought that there was a lack of urgency on the behalf of the Buffalo Bills offense throughout the majority of last night's game, and that ultimately ended up being the difference. Yesterday was kind of confirmation bias for a lot of things we have felt about teams and players. I said I trust Joe Burrow more than anybody. He comes out yesterday and proves me right. We said on Friday, and we've been saying all season, while we think Josh Allen is a great quarterback, we know that he is going to do something to put his team at a deficit. We know he's going to turn the ball over or make a mistake. We saw him do that yesterday. We've been saying this about the Dallas Cowboys, that they're a contender, but they always have these self-inflicted wounds. We know that it doesn't really matter what happens until it, they get to the playoffs. And we saw yesterday them have every opportunity to win the game, and then they didn't. My Miami, we, we kept saying they haven't really beat a quality opponent. That's proven yesterday. It just feels like a lot of these narratives that have been building in the early part of the season kind of had an exclamation point at the end of them yesterday. And think about this. If the Jets win tonight, they're 5-3 and three if they beat the Chargers. The Bills and they're are, in second place in the division. And they're in second place in the division. I mean, yes. they're currently in second place. But if they win tonight, they, they solidify their spot in second place in that division. And then, CC, you probably look at the AFC, and there's probably eight or nine teams that you would think has a better chance of making a run in the postseason than the Buffalo Bills right now. Well, yeah, and that's the scary part about where the Bills find themselves, right? Like, it, this is a situation now where you're fighting for your playoff lives. Okay, like, wait, uh, stop. Say that. Think about this for a second. Everybody before the season in the last couple of years, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, now they're fighting for their playoff lives. Yeah, well, they have as many losses as they do now as they did all last year. So there's clearly a different story going yeah. on in Buffalo, and you have to ask the question, do we have the right people in the building? And I'm not just talking about players. you got to ask, do we have the right coaches in there too? Now, I get it. The defensive side of the ball had a lot of attrition, but the defense last night wasn't the side of the ball that let you down. Right. The defense played well enough to win, and it's crazy to say that when Joe Burrow puts up 350 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But the defense played well enough to win. The defense got a stop. Remember, there was a turnover on downs late in that third quarter that gave the ball to the Buffalo Bills offense, and the Bills offense turns around and gives it right back. I mean, right before halftime, you're talking about Josh Allen throwing that pick 
the defense not only stops the Bengals' offense yep. in plus territory, but they push them back and force the Bengals to punt when they were in Gibby field goal range. Yeah, they went third and inches, and then it was third and 16 because of all the penalties. Exactly, and I guess that's that's my whole point. Their defense gave you an opportunity. Think about it. In that situation, if you turn around and get points on that drive, you get the ball back after halftime, all of a sudden a 14-point deficit is erased. You had an opportunity to do that. Your offense couldn't capitalize. Now, again, it comes back to Josh Allen not having the urgency that you need to have when you're going head-to-head against a guy like Joe Burrow. Now, the turnovers are a problem. Five consecutive games with an interception. That's the longest streak in his career. Ev, you talked about it all the time. He hadn't gone two consecutive games without having a turnover in his entire career. That's a problem if you're the Buffalo Bills. And you got to think about, okay, who were the people in the building when Josh was at his best, when we mitigated the turnovers? Well, that was Brian Dable, your offensive coordinator. He's not walking back through that door. But maybe there are some principles that you had then that you can implement to try to get Josh turned around. But it's clear to me, if that doesn't happen in short order, then the championship window for the Buffalo Bills, as constituted with this core of players, is closed. It's done. It's over with. This team ain't winning the Super Bowl this year. Not with as inconsistent as they've been. And so now I think it's a time for Brandon B., their general manager, and Sean McDermott to ask some tough questions and get to some some difficult answers when it comes to what we have to do in order to move our program forward because you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. We always say when someone shows you who they are, believe them, right? At this stage of Josh Allen's career, is this just who he is? Is Yes. You know, I'm just some, – some things are trends that can be turned around. I'm wondering if this is just something that Bills fans are going to have to live with forever with Josh Allen. I know earlier in the season he was vocal about the fact that he was adopting this low positive mindset because sometimes yep. his emotions would get too much and that would cause him to make bad decisions. So he was trying to keep his mindset in a certain frame throughout the game. Well, obviously that's not working. So I don't know if it's a different coach that could come in and coach him out of this or if this is just something that is going to be part of who Josh Allen is for the remaining of his NFL career. I think he's always been this way, honestly. And I think he's a gunslinger, and you have to live with that if you're going to make him into your franchise quarterback, which you're going to be. I asked about or what you've done. I asked CC about the idea of any kind of like penalty, in game penalty. Like, hey, every time you throw an interception, you're out for a series. They're not going to do that. No. Like, they, right. They're never going to do that like they would somebody at a different position. This is who he is. And they have to almost factor in, hey, we're going to go up against Team X. Like, they have at the Eagles and at the Chiefs the rest of the way. Yeah. Good luck on that. But we're going to go into every game with a minus one turnover margin. That's how they have to approach this with him. Well, they, that's, they have, that's not, right, well, yeah, you say that. But here's the other thing, too. You're talking about the second fastest player in NFL history to 200 total touchdowns. The only one to do it in fewer games is Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen right now with rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns, is on pace for 48 tuds this season. He's number one in the NFL in QBR despite the performance that he had last night. I get it. Numbers aren't everything, but they're hard to ignore. Where are you going to find that kind of quarterback production? No, it's you're not hard getting to. rid of him. And, you and, have and, to and I guess and I guess that's my point. Like you're not getting rid of him, but you clearly have to fix him. You have to fix the offense because right now that side of the ball is not carrying their water. They're not they're not upholding their end of the bargain. They've got to fix that part. Now Sean McDermott is a defensive minded head coach. The defense wasn't the problem yesterday. It right. just wasn't. The offense has to find ways to be better. If they don't, then this could be a Bills team that's on the outside looking in. But I do want to spend a little second on the Cincinnati Bengals. Because even though they did have this performance and even though they've gone back-to-back weeks beating impressive teams, the Cincinnati Bengals got an uphill climb in order to get to where they want to go to. 
Like, they have the toughest remaining schedule after week nine of anybody in all of mm-hmm. football, and they gained zero ground when it came to their division standings. Zero. Cleveland won yesterday. Pittsburgh won on Thursday. The Baltimore Ravens smoked the Seahawks. I mean, they're five and three, but they're looking up at everybody else in the AFC North. Like, this is – there is no margin for error for Cincinnati because of how they started one and three and being 0 and two in the division. Like, they, they, their playoffs are now. And so you have to wonder, can they sustain this level of play? Can Joe Burrow be this good for the remainder of the regular season? you got a whole second half of football to go. Can they be this good the entire second half? I think they're going to have to be if they want to get to where they want to go. Fill in the blank. The best team in the AFC is because now we got we got Kansas City, we got Baltimore, Cincinnati is re-entering that chat. But as CC said, a very hard strength of schedule the rest of the way. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve. Best team in the AFC. Who are you saying it is on the Dr. Pepper call-in line? Plus... Are we in moral victory season in Dallas? We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are unsportsmanlike. Prescott, he steps up, he pumps, he fires, and is caught, but he's tackled. Tackled to C.D. Lamb at the two-yard line, and the game is over, the Eagles win. Defense came up big, great division to win, so uh, it's what it is. Sports Radio 94, WIP with the call, Eagles Radio. Philly gets a big win over Dallas, 28-23. Dallas certainly had chances in this game. 
Calls going the opposite direction. Touchdown, two-point conversion out of bounds for Dak Prescott. Had the ball in the six-yard line with 20 sec- seven seconds to go down five and could not get the ball in the end zone. It is on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. So Dallas loses by five. <laughs> And now, now, CC, hold it in as best as you can here. There's a, there's a narrative out there, because this is going to drive you crazy, I think. There's a narrative of moral victory season for Dallas. Here's Tim Hasselback, ESPN NFL analyst on SportsCenter. I actually think they should be encouraged by this. Like, I get it, no moral victories and all that stuff. They just went into Philadelphia, had multiple opportunities to win that football game, and it is a game of inches where the ball bounces funny, the, the play down near the end zone, the two-point play. Like, they're right there with what's been the best team in the NFC. Go for it. What is Tim Hasselbeck smoking? <laughs> I love Tim Hasselbeck. I think he does a great job breaking down football. Like, his, his football acumen is second to none. But I don't think he and I watched the same game because what I saw was the Dallas Cowboys getting the ball back with less than a minute to go, taking 19 seconds to go 80 yards via big plays and penalties. And they had the ball first in what is it? First and five at the six yard line of Philadelphia. First and five at the six yard line with 27 seconds to go, and you end up having a false start. You end up taking a sack by Josh Sweat. Then it ends up being a delay a game penalty, and you're forced into a third and twenty six. Like, like, like if you if like you can't you can't make this up. It happens all the time. The Dallas Cowboys are are the champions when it comes to almost getting a win. We're almost good. We almost pulled off the upset in the link in Philadelphia. We almost you know can get past the divisional round. It almost it keeps coming up. and and the and the plays that are emblematic of the almost. The Luke Schoolmaker at the goal line, you had fourth down. He doesn't run the route with the proper depth. He gets stopped short. His knee gets get, hits the ground at the half-yard line, and it ends up being a turnover on downs. And then you had Dak Prescott when you do score the touchdown. Stepping out of bounds. <laughs> Steps out of bounds to try to avoid the contact rather than just powering through it. Bro, you're a 6'2", 230-pound quarterback. You got to power through that contact. It's a two-point conversion. You make it a field goal game. It completely changes the complexion of what's going to happen for the rest of the quarter. I just I don't understand why they have these seemingly unforced errors. They're good enough to put themselves in position to try to win these games, but they never win these games. And I sat, I sat here in this seat on Friday, and I said to both of y'all, I said, if the Dallas Cowboys don't do it now with Dak – it ain't going to never happen. Guys, I'm starting to feel like it's never going to happen for Dak in Dallas. Jerry Jones has to make a consequential decision on Dak Prescott's contract, and I'm not saying that Dak played bad, but you needed Dak to outplay Jalen Hurts in that game yesterday. You needed Dak to be the reason why you won that game, and unfortunately, in the critical moments, he was not. And therein lies the problem for Dallas. Yeah, I don't know how it could be a moral victory for fans of the Cowboys today because you had every single opportunity to win that game, and you still didn't. And that's been the story for the Dallas Cowboys, as you said, CeCe. It's always right there, but never good enough. Always feeling like this could be the year, this could be the season, and not being able to get it done. Yes, it's 
I guess, a little bit of a positive that you were able to go into Philadelphia and play with the team that we consider to be the class in the NFC and probably should have won the game, but you didn't, and that's the problem. It's not that we don't think you have enough talent to get it done. It's that we think you're going to make the mistakes and stop yourselves from getting it done, which is what we saw yesterday. And I guess that's the most frustrating part. You do have the talent. You have You it. got an all-pro wide receiver. You got a solid offensive line. You, you got a franchise tag running back. You have arguably the best player in all of football on the defensive side of the ball in Michael Parsons, who played great yesterday. You have all of the elements that it takes in order to win a championship. But you never, you never, you never get over the hump. And I'm starting to look at the reasons why. And the reason that I will point to in that ball game, it ain't Mike McCarthy in the play calling. I thought that was fine. It, it has to be Dak Prescott. Now, could the defense have done the offensive solid by recovering that fumble that DeAndre Swift had when he ran into A.J. Brown's back? Sure. That was that so would have, That would have been great. But you're still talking about the same result, less than a minute to go, and having the ball in plus territory. Again, they got the ball with less than a minute to go. It took them 19 seconds to go 80 yards. They got the ball on the Eagles' six-yard line. 27 seconds left. There was plenty of time. You had an opportunity. And then you had these self-inflicted wounds, these negative plays. You had two penalties pre-snap, and then you have a sack. Your quarterback inexplicably takes a sack in that situation. That cannot happen. Dak Prescott stepping out of bounds on the two-point conversion. That can't happen. The tight end running a route that's shallow, that doesn't get you into the end zone for a touchdown. That can't happen. Those are all self-inflicted wounds. Again, nobody's taking credit away from the Philadelphia Eagles, but the game was there for the Dallas Cowboys to win, and they just didn't seize it. And if they're not going to do it in this situation against the best team in the NFC, a team that also is in their division, when are they ever going to do it? If they can't do it in the regular season, why on God's green earth would I think they'd be able to get it done in the postseason? You wouldn't, and they have to then upset the world in order for us to be satisfied with their performance on the totality this year. They would have to do things in the postseason that we've never seen them do, right? Same thing with the Dolphins, same kind of thing, where you look at them and say, I'm unfamiliar with what you're doing. You're beating good teams. That doesn't normally happen. Question on the specifics of this. So you get the ball, forget the Cowboys and and Eagles specifically, a team in general, CC explained to us, first and five at the opposition's six-yard line, with 27 seconds to go. No timeouts. How many shots should you get at the end zone? As many as you want. What do you mean? How many shots? How many shots does it take? I don't know. That's, that's, what four, that's four down territory. I mean, so you're, 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 throwing you're, the, you're throwing the football. I mean, it, I mean, it, the, the odds of you throwing a football that would be short of the goal line if you're on the six-yard line. You uh, hope you would. It's do. probably not going to happen, even though the Cowboys actually did that right, the right, drive right. before. Right. It's probably not going to happen. So you have as many cracks at it so as you need. So let's call it four, right? Yeah. So in that spot. So they have the ball first and five of the six. They have a false start. So they laugh- move it back. Which is laughable. Right. First and 10 at the 11. Dak is sacked. So now we're 0 for 2 in terms of actual shots at the end You're zone. going backwards. Right. So then, <laughs> then, it's, then it is uh, an incompletion. We finally have our first shot at the end zone, which is an incompletion. Okay, you can live with that. Third and 21 at the 22-yard line, five seconds to go. Now we've got a delay of game in the mix. So nice. Yeah. Welcome aboard, delay of game. We haven't seen you in a little bit. Then you get third and 26 at the Philly 27-yard line, where it's an incompletion. So basically... Um, what you're saying is when you're supposed to, at first and five from the six, get four shots, somehow they had half the amount of shots you're supposed to take into the end zone. Yeah. Half. Half. And for as good as Dak Prescott. And the play- other half is penalties. And for as good as Dak Prescott gave played, and I know everybody's going to say, oh, he threw for 370 yards and three touchdowns. That's great. But I need my quarterback to be great in situations. I need him to take care of the football. I need him to execute in the critical moments. 
and Dak and the Cowboys didn't do that. I don't know how you make an argument against it. No, no, you can't. This is not fantasy football. This is real football. And it's clear that there's one quarterback that's always going to make game-winning plays, even when he's not healthy, and there's another quarterback that's not. But the defense didn't help him out at points there. They had the penalties. They allowed two really long drives in the second half. It wasn't all on Dak. I'm with you. He could be better in situations, but I don't think he was the only reason for the loss yesterday. But, Smalls, here's what I would ask you. If I gave that same scenario, and I'm a Dak guy, you know that. If I gave that same scenario to Jalen Hurts, how many shots in the end zone are they getting? Closer three, to they're four. Gonna, they're going to yeah. get three, three shots and at they least. Well, and if they get less, it's because they scored. Exactly. And even just to boil it down and simplify it, you would trust Jalen Hurts could get it done, where we have questions about that. But I, I don't right? need him to get it done. I need just attempts. That's the problem. <laughs> if, if it goes 0 for 4 in that spot, you go 0 for 4. I can't have it 0 for 2 with a loss of 21, 21, 21 yards. <laughs> But you can't take a sack in that situation. Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you cannot take that. a sack in that situation. Like you wanna, If you want to sit here and blame the offensive line, that's fine. But your quarterback has to have situational awareness. You can't take a sack. Just like your quarterback has to have situational awareness with the two-point conversion. You can't step out of bounds trying to run away from the defender. The field is 53 and a third yards long. You, you can't step out of bounds. That can't happen. Like I, that's that's maddening to me. Now the one with the turnover on downs, the target to the tight end, that's not his fault. The tight end has to run a route right. that that gives him depth. But it, again, it's emblematic of the issues that we've seen with the Dallas Cowboys. Why on earth would we take them seriously as contenders? A couple weeks ago, we saw them in a prime time spot against a quality opponent in the San Francisco 49ers. They got their doors blown off. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com this is the unsportsmanlike podcast on espn radio unsportsmanlike is presented by progressive insurance with michelle smallman chris canty evan cohen with you save when you bundle motorcycle rv and boat insurance visit progressive.com for more information time now for upon further review absolutely let's the still reeks of bacon wrapped with bacon with a side of bacon after a long NFL Sunday. I love bacon, but I never actually say it. Bacon just knows. But man, does he have some thoughts. And bacon, this is Upon Further Review with Chris Ganty. See, I know we have to do the intro for it, but when the football music starts is when I'm ready to go because the football music is so good. Like, it's so good that when it starts, I have to kick this thing off. So I jumped in a little bit, but here, I'm excited about a part of the review because we're at the midway point in the NFL season, and now we're starting to see who teams really are. The mask is off. We're past Halloween. We actually know who's who, right? Okay, future. All right, so let's kick this thing off across the pond, way across the pond, in Frankfurt, Germany, shall we? 
Dolphins versus Chiefs from Germany. All right. I mean, Tyreek Hill said that they were going to get that work, right? Well, I mean, I guess getting that work could have a different meaning in German. I don't know. <laughs> Sprigger the Deutsch. I don't. Nine. Uh, I mean, and that's pretty much what the Chiefs defense did to the Miami Dolphins offense. Nine. They were having none of it. The Chiefs defense will be the reason why Pat Mahomes hosts a six-straight conference championship game in Arrowhead. They held the Dolphins offense to 3-12 on third down, under 300 total yards, and they had a scoop and score for good measure on Tyreek Hill. And the way they did it was impressive. Trent McDuffie forces the fumble. Here's the sidebar to that. Trent McDuffie was a part of that trade compensation that the Dolphins sent to the Kansas City Chiefs for Tyreek Hill. They used that pick with another to move up in order to draft Trent McDuffie. Turns out he's the one that forced the fumble. Realizes that he's not going to be the one to be able to take it to the house. Why not give it to Brian Cook, the second-round pick in that same draft? He's going to house it, give you the high knees down the sideline. But listen, the defense is top five in yards and points, and they'll keep Kansas City in every single game. And if it's close in the end, how could you not trust Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid? So the Chiefs defense, the best defense that Pat Mahomes has played with, and Pat Mahomes said post-game, they could be the best defense in the entire NFL. Next, Seahawks and Ravens. I mean, I mean, stop me if you've heard this before. The Baltimore Ravens demolishing an NFC division leader at home. Stop me if you've heard this before. We saw it a couple of weeks ago against the Detroit Lions, and everybody thinks Detroit is a good football team. Yep. We saw it again yesterday, and everybody thinks Seattle's a good football team. They were leading their division coming into this game, and Seattle had won a couple of games in a row, including that one that was a nail-biter against Cleveland last week. But Baltimore didn't care nothing about that. I mean, you're talking about an offense that had over 500 yards. But Smalls, again, the game was so one-sided because Baltimore's defense is just so good. The Baltimore Ravens have the top defense when it comes to scoring points. And when this defense can play the way that they've shown throughout the course of this year and even going back to the midway point in last season when they traded for Roquan Smith – why should we not take the Baltimore Ravens seriously as the primary challenger to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC? That's how I feel about Baltimore. Now, I get it. They've got a tough strength of schedule you know, when it comes to the remaining games, but five of those eight games are at M&T Bank Stadium. So I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be all right. They got a seven, they're seven and two, and they're two games in the win column, I believe, clear of the next closest team in their division. So Baltimore is going to be there in the end because they're probably going to win their division. But to show you how one-sided that the game was yesterday, CBS, at the end of the third quarter, cut away from Ravens Seahawks to go to Bears Saints. Yikes. <laughs> when you when you cut away from a football game. That, that, that features two division leaders to go to Bears Saints, that just lets you know how dominant, how one-sided that game was. That's what Baltimore is capable of doing on any given Sunday against any opponent. Next. Buccaneers at Texans. Are we ready to say that the Texans got the best quarterback in the 2023 draft class? Yes. Because I have been saying that for a while, and because Bryce Young won the head-to-head matchup last week, with C.J. Stroud, everybody said, oh, well, you know, Bryce Young, is he's good. He's he's, be- he's going to be better than C.J. He just needs some help around. Listen, I don't know what Bryce Young will or won't be as an NFL quarterback, but I can say this, C.J. Stroud is better. C.J. Stroud is better, period. He's better. He showed it yesterday. I mean, C.J. Stroud, <laughs> let me give you this stat line, 30 of 42, 480 total yards, five touchdowns, no picks, a 147.8 quarterback rating, 11.2 yards per attempt, 
and he had a completion of 75 yards in that game. Now, here's the kicker. Double-digit deficit at uh, uh, coming out early in the third quarter, no problem for C.J. Stroud. Texans go, this is their drive chart. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Field goal, punt. Get the ball back with 46 seconds left. Touchdown, game-winning drive, ball game. Like that. That's what C.J. Stroud did. Like You don't expect a quarterback that's a rookie to have that kind of poise in that situation, but he absolutely did. And to me, that's the measure of the sports character of this guy, and it feels like he's changing the culture for the Texans. Nobody had it on the board that the Texans could be 500 at this point in the season, but based on where they're at right now, why can't this team be in the mix for a playoff spot come December? They absolutely can. And it's because they finally have the quarterback position post Deshaun Watson figured out. A couple of things about the Texans here. First of all, they also had a backup kicker, an emergency kicker, Dari which, by the way, I will never understand for the life of me. Why can't punters be backup kickers and kickers be backup punters? I don't understand that. What do they do all practice where they can't actually work on the other craft? I will never understand that. But he did a great job filling in for him there. Um, in terms of in terms of Stroud, we've seen it in other sports where a guy has an unbelievable rookie season and then falls off. We don't normally see that in the NFL. So even if Bryce Young becomes what you think he's going to become or what he could become, it, he may still may not be better than C.J. Stroud. But here's the question. At what point do we go from the obvious of rookie of the year, because he's got that, to when is he in the MVP conversation? Oh, no. He's not there yet. 14 touchdowns, one interception. He's not there yet. If they make the playoffs. He's not going to win MVP. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I asked, when does he he's enter the conversation? 14 to 1 t- touchdown interception ratio if they're a playoff team. I don't think he's going to win MVP. Listen, I, I, I think. In the conversation, I, not I, win I, it. I, 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 think he's, I think he's a good young quarterback. The Texans should feel great about the trajectory of their franchise because I feel like they've got quarterback and head coach figured out. And here's the great thing about C.J. Stroud. He's putting to shame that S2 cognition test. Remember the test results of the pre-draft process? Oh, Everybody yeah. was saying, that. oh, well, you know, you got to go Bryce Young because C.J. Stroud didn't score well on the S2 cognition test. And this is supposed to be the NFL's new version of the Wonderlick to make sure that a guy can process information. Well, you just said it, Ev. 14 touchdowns to one interception. C.J. Stroud, He's processing. Pre- pretty good at processing information <laughs> on, the, on a football field. So yeah. I'm just going to say that. But the Texans are in good shape. They should feel good about where this team is at. Most importantly, they're developing a culture that's going to allow them to have sustained success. They're ahead of schedule. Again, nobody had it on the board that the Texans were going to be 500 at the midway point of the season. We didn't think that they were going to be that good. But they are that good. And we're talking about a team that has a bevy of draft picks. They'll be loaded. They'll be able to do what they need to do to supplement the roster and add talent around C.J. Stroud. But the most important part that you got to get figured out is the quarterback. They got that figured out. And it feels like he's getting better every week, too, which is the scary part. You know, there there hasn't been a lot of regression with him. There hasn't been that calibration period with C.J. Stroud. He is elevating that entire franchise, and he's really fun to watch. I'm, I'm excited for the Texans that they, they seemingly got their guy. I mean, people are saying that this may be the best rookie ever. Like, statistically, his his numbers may be better than that of any rookie 
we have ever seen. And he plays the quarterback position, and he's leading them to victory. And he comes back yesterday after Baker Mayfield had a great drive, and then he brings them back, first and 10 from the own 25-yard line in 46 seconds, six plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, just absolutely remarkable, and as cool as could be, had numbers yesterday that are like all-time great numbers relative to the quarterback position, 470 yards and five touchdowns. Again, I'm going to continue to make ask the question that makes everybody uncomfortable. How much longer before he enters into the MVP conversation? Not winning it, of course. But if this is a playoff team, he's the biggest difference. He and the head coach, Miko Ryans, are the biggest difference between this year and last year. And amazingly, Nick Cazario, their general manager, this is his third head coach. In three years, right? Or four years. Yeah. Cully, Lovey Smith, and now D'Amico Ryans. Most times, guys don't get to hire two co- coaches. He got three, but he got this one right. And they got this p- pick right. And this team feels a lot different than years past. And, oh, they, and they feel like a team that you'd want to go and play for now. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, listen, the Texans got it right. Now, it, it happens to be do- by default because the Carolina Panthers did them a solid and they took Bryce Young. And I'm not saying that Bryce Young is going to be a bad quarterback, but we don't have as much tangible evidence that Bryce Young is going to have the kind of ceiling that C.J. Stroud has already shown. Like Bryce Young, he threw three touchdown passes yesterday, one to D.J. Shark and, and two to Kenny Moore II. Only problem is Kenny Moore II plays for the Colts. <laughs> Like so, I mean, like, like again. No, I mean, again, I get that Bryce doesn't have a lot of help around him, but it's not exactly like the Texans roster is the most talented in the NFL. They're not the most talented in the NFC, AFC. They're not the most talented in their division, and yet C.J. Stroud is making the most of the opportunity and making guys around him better. That's what you want to see early on in an NFL player's career, especially at that position. He's shown that. It's on Sportsman, like on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up. Who were some of these guys that played quarterback yesterday? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, presented by Progressive Insurance. So, we've seen great quarterback play in this league, obviously. Patrick Mahomes leading the way. Joe Burrow last night with a great win over the Buffalo Bills. But we've also seen guys that are just like, 
What 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 is happening? Clayton Toon is a starting quarterback currently in the NFL, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, they're hitting the right note. They they understand the assignment. Did you see what happened <laughs> in Southern California on Saturday night? Caleb did you Williams, see, did Michael, you see Penix Michael Penix Jr. and Caleb Williams? <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals understand the assignment. They know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How would you guys both answer this or, or finish this sentence? QB play currently in the NFL is? Yeah. Eh? How do you spell? Uh, Ew. <laughs> Ew. Like makes me cringe. A it gives little. you the ick. Well, there's been so many injuries. It all started with Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles four plays into the season, and it feels like since then it's been a waterfall of injuries for quarterbacks. I mean, you could go down the list, go through every team in the NFL, and whether they their guy is back, like Joe Burrow who played through injury, or Deshaun Watson, or quarterbacks that are out for the season. It just feels like. I don't know if maybe we've seen this before, but it feels like we're witnessing quarterbacks getting injured and bad quarterback play at a higher clip than we've seen in a long time. Yeah, you got a dozen or so quarterbacks that have been solid this year, and the rest of them are the rest of the teams are just looking for something better to do when it comes along. Like that, That's where we're at right now. It's like if you don't have one of those 10 to 12 quarterbacks, then you're going to be looking for a quarterback. Right. And some teams aren't going to be positioned to do so. Um, by virtue of what their record ends up being and where they're drafting, but that that's where we're at. But that that kind of feels like that's how the league is going to be in perpetuity. Like we talk we talk about it being the golden era of quarterback play, and it is when it comes to top tier guys. But it, but if you don't have one of those guys, then you don't have anything. You don't have anything. Right. Like the the emphasis. You're not is, pumped up about Tommy DeVito with your Giants right now. I mean, they don't trust Tommy DeVito to throw, and when they do, he throws it to the other team. So how could you be? Right, and that's yeah, the that's point. Not great. And Daniel Jones, unfortunate injury. Nobody's rooting for him to get hurt, torn ACL. Listen, like. I don't want I don't want Daniel Jones to be hurt, and we'll see what happens with the MRI today. But his injury isn't that just pushing the Giants toward what they need to be doing anyway, which is getting ready for the 2024 offseason and the 2024 draft. Ain't that what you should be doing? Listen, they had their director of pro personnel, their assistant general manager, and their general manager in the building at the Coliseum on Saturday night. I think the Giants understand the assignment, too. We talk about the Arizona Cardinals. The Giants ain't fooling themselves. Daniel Jones is not Joe Shane's guy. So Daniel Jones is a, a good bridge quarterback that got rewarded with great quarterback money. But I don't think the Giants have any illusions on what the future is at the quarterback position. Their franchise guy ain't on the team right now. Yeah, and it, I think it, that's the reality of where they find themselves at. But I think that's most teams in the NFL. Yeah. There are not enough good quarterbacks to go around. When you talk about quarterbacks that you believe can win you a championship, there's only, uh, uh, you know, you're talking about eight to ten guys that can do that. that. That's it. That's the list. And we know who those dudes are. If you don't have one of those dudes – you have no margin for error in terms of how you put together your team and being able to capitalize on a in a very, very small window. Just out of curiosity, when you say 8 to 10, is Josh Allen on that list or not on that list? Josh Allen's on the list. Okay, he's on the list. He wouldn't be for me but in terms of winning a championship. But he's, that's, play, he's playing the conference championship game. I can't say that you can't win a championship if you were one of the final four teams. Is Tua on that list for you? <sighs> not yet. He, he's trending in that direction, but he got to stay healthy. Again, when it comes to the two of it all, guys, he's got to stay healthy. I got to see it for a full season before I believe it. But the list, as we're going through this exercise, is really small. The list of quarterbacks that you really believe in the NFL can win you a championship is really small. Is it smaller than it's ever been? I mean, okay, Patrick Mahomes is on the list. Burrow's on the list. Who else are you putting on that list? I'd put Lamar. I wouldn't say – Jalen Hurts? Yes, I wouldn't say it's smaller than it's ever been simply because – there was a 15-year period where Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger didn't let anyone get to the Super Bowl but the three of them in the AFC. You but know there what I mean? were other guys that you felt could do it. 
And there were other guys coming from the other conference. Right, yeah. but I'm saying yeah. they, they were so dominant. And now the AFC in general, obviously. But in terms of – so overall, of active players, Lamar, um, I don't – Burrow, yes. Trevor Lawrence, yes. Mahomes, yes. Okay, we're at That's four. That's four, right? Is there anybody else in the AFC? If Well, you guys put uh, uh, Allen. I, I put Allen. I would not, and I'm not going to put Tua yet um, either. In the NFC, obviously we all agree Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah. Are we going to put Jared Goff? He's been to a Super Bowl. I mean, if they get there. Uh, how can he, how's he do not? He's been to a Super Bowl. So I would good. I'm in, I'm in on sure. that. Yep, I'm in on that. I'd still put Purdy. I, I would too. He was in a conference championship game. Yeah. Okay. His first year as a starter, yeah. And is there anybody But I would else? be nervous about Brock Purdy, though, even though we're, we're in the fan club. It's, it's Dak? It's, yeah, I'd have to put Dak in there. Yeah. Okay, so I how many is that? That's nine. That's nine. Yeah, I, I would. I, yeah, I'm. I'm just sitting here saying. But towards the bottom, I would put, there, I would put like, Justin Herbert on that list too. Okay, I would so we put got Herb, ten guys. I would put Herbert on that list too. But the bottom half of that ten, we're not feeling super confident about. We're putting them on the list because we think they could get it done, but maybe in spite of mistakes. You know, we feel that way about Dak. About well, I would Josh say in Allen. spite of everything that's around him, right? Like that. That's probably what I would lead with now with the Dak Prescott of it all. Yeah, he. He made some mistakes, but he wasn't the only culprit for the Dallas Cowboys offense yesterday. He wasn't. That offensive line wasn't great. The Eagles pass rush did a hell of a job closing out that game. And then, of course, the skill position players, too. We talk about the Luke Schoonmaker play. That's a big play. If, they're, if they get that touchdown and all of a sudden the following drive, that they get in the end zone and fail on the two-point, that's to take the lead. And maybe they don't need the two-point conversion. So I just – again, it's – you can't play the what-if hypothetical game, but I do believe Dak Prescott is a quarterback that's capable of getting you there. I mean, Dak Prescott has been able to have a 13-win season. He's had back-to-back 12-win seasons. They've gotten to the divisional round. I, I, I just can't. He's gotten to the divisional round multiple times. I can't say that he's not capable of winning a championship. Look at it the other way. If we're saying only 10 can go there, that means 22 teams in the NFL have guys that we would say you have no shot. Well, that's not true because you got so many guys that are developmental players like CJ Stroud with the Texans. Yeah, they this, year, this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about this year, but he can grow into one of those right, guys. Right. You know what I mean? So there, there are teams that have young players that you feel good about at the quarterback spot that can grow into that. But yeah, I, I mean, this season – you're only talking about eight to ten guys that have a, a legitimate chance. And then when you look at the teams around them, that, that narrows the, that, the list down even more. Because we don't think the L.A. Chargers are winning the championship. No. No. Hell, I don't think the L.A. Chargers are winning the night against the New York Jets. So, I mean, that— right. uh, and, the, and the Bills. We, so, the Chargers and Bills, if you're putting Allen and Herbert in there— Chargers and t- Bills, it t- cost them, them off. Yeah. It cost them off. I so, mean, the, the Miami Dolphins haven't proved they can beat a team that has a winning record. So right now, I'm ready to cross them off the list, even though they're probably going to win that division. So in reality, then, what we're saying, for this year specifically, how many teams, based on all of the injuries that Smalls has pointed out at the quarterback position and all of the poor play in some of those areas, of the teams this year, who has a quarterback that we could envision taking them to a Super Bowl? Baltimore, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Cincinnati in the AFC. Right? We're not putting Cleveland in there. I know Deshaun played well yesterday, but okay. And then... Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, and Brock Purdy. Yep, so that's eight. That's for this year, not long that's term, that's not about in the right. past. That's this, about right. Yeah, there's but an eight-team that, race. But, but that's about right, though, Ev. Yeah. I mean, any given year, you're talking about a quarter of the league having a real chance to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. That's it. Everybody thinks all 32 teams have a chance. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's only a quarter of the league that has a chance. You're only talking about you know, eight teams that have a chance in any given year to win a championship. That that that's that's how hard it is to be able to get that done. Now we don't know, 
you know, exactly who they are until we see enough of a sample size to be able to identify what those teams are, who is who. But, I mean, as we're at the midway point, I think it's becoming clear and obvious to us, that's the list. The teams that we just rattled off with those quarterbacks, those are the people that are having the chance to hold up the Lombardi Trophy. Are we done believing in the Dolphins? We'll find out next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.